The kettle's boiled, Vic. Great. Perfect timing. Just a dash of milk for me, please, mate. Here you go. Shall we get started, then? Have you ever woken up on a Sunday morning and said, I'm never drinking again, and then found yourself waving 50 bucks at a barman by happy hour? Are you wondering why everyone else can stop at one, while you head to a dodgy after-party with a weird bloke called Disco Dave? If so, it might be time to take a deeper look at your relationship with your reliable social crutch, alcohol. On each episode, we'll investigate our own dysfunctional dealings with booze and find out if it's possible to stop this deeply ingrained habit before things get too messy. Yep, we're going to open up a shame shed of humiliating drinking stories to help you understand why waking up from a booze coma each weekend with a kebab sticking out of your top pocket might actually be negatively impacting your health. Hamish and I are here to delve into what it's like being sober, an unwanted warts and all look into why giving up those cheeky pints or putting down those mummy wines will make you feel happier, help your anxiety and mental health and turn you into the most sparkly authentic version of you. Won't that mean I become boring though, Vic? Well, Hamish, we'll just have to wait and see. I'm Victoria Vanstone. I'm Hamish Adams-Cairns. And this is Sober Awkward. I walked out the forest covered in cow pats and brambles, knocked on a door and they let me back into the wedding. God, I can't believe they let him back in. Wow. Brambles in his hair, bumbling around out of a forest. He said he also had a fight with someone in a cupboard that night. Yeah. Yeah. Is that his wedding? I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) I think first of all, hello everybody who's listening anyway. First of all, I just wanted to have a little chat about our night out last night, Hamish. Yeah, shall we start there? What we do on Sober Awkward is I challenge Hamish to do all these crazy antics and endeavours when he's not under the influence. And my last one was to send him on a sober pub crawl. But actually they'd had a bit of a leak at the venue we were supposed to go to. They had a burst gas main. No, it wasn't a gas main, it was a water, water pipe. pipe. And we couldn't go. But they organised for Hamish and I to go and have some alcohol-free mocktails and learn how to make them at a local bar, which was brilliant, wasn't it, Hamish? I was genuinely shocked by how excited I was by it. Both of us, I feel like it did help that our barman was incredibly good looking and charismatic and Brazilian. Yeah, that definitely did help. <laughs> that helped. It was easy on the eye, wasn't it? He was. Yeah. Um, but both of us, like, we got, there's something about being in a bar and somebody making you what looks like a cocktail so exciting. It was exciting. It felt like I was getting a treat for the first time in ages. And sometimes I do feel like I'm missing out when I go to those sort of venues. And to have someone there with all these amazing bottles and strawberries and slices of orange. And, you know, it was lovely for somebody to put an effort into something that was not with alcohol. And it made me feel Almost loved, I would say, yeah. Hamish. We should say that it was at the Tap House. Yes. Yeah, it's called the Malt Shovel Tap House here on the Sunshine Coast. You looked yep. after us so sweetly. But also because they're non-alcoholic cocktails, we must have had five, yeah, five in each. half an hour. Yeah, we were necking them. <laughs> and then when, when sort of, we got kicked out of this room because a private party started and they said, oh, you guys can go through to the main the main room with the actual drinkers. Yeah, I felt, I felt like we were both VIPs and also kind of shunned to a room where there was no one else in it. Yeah, And then we went in there carrying, honestly, four cocktails each and two <laughs> heaps normal beers. And the people sitting opposite must have thought we were 
hammered. Yeah, they, we looked. We would have looked like two stumbling drunks coming in, but of course they didn't realise that they were alcohol free. So we did feel like we had to explain. We, we did, did explain. To, yeah, we actually did manage to, to accost some random people and tell them what we were doing. They were like, "How's the cocktails?" We were like, "Actually, they're alcohol free, and we're just here, and we're fine, and we're perfectly normal." I think we were a bit high on sugar, yeah, weren't we, were. we? By then, I did not. I don't know about you. I did not sleep well last night. <laughs> Well, the first one was was a fake espresso martini, which did have real coffee in it. To be honest, it was a night out that started at 5.30 and was over by 7, yeah. which is <laughs> perfect. for any sober people or parents. Actually, even me when I was drinking, that is a perfect night out. Yep. Get home and have dinner. Home time for a movie. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? It's perfect. I know Hamish has a few big shindigs to go to in the UK, I so I wanted to do an episode that will help him prepare. So today we're going to discuss planning for a big event, be it a wedding, a holiday, a festival or a birthday party. These big occasions are often drenched in alcohol and are a huge trigger. So if you're sober, big events might nudge you into believing one won't hurt and the feeling of missing out might come along and bite you on the sober arse. Then before you know it, your amazing stretch of sobriety is wah wah game over. I have to admit, Vic, I am a little nervous. I've got three weddings coming up. I also have two garden parties at our house. So every weekend we've got a party. Croquet in the garden, darling. No, not quite as posh as that. (laughs) And even though I'm hoping to stay sober, I'm going to need some tools in place so my elbow stays well and truly untwisted. Yeah, I think actually being at an event surrounded by booze and seeing everyone you know get shit-faced while you're nervously stood holding an orangina at the side of the dance floor can feel so overwhelming and that fuck it button suddenly feels within reach. Today we will implement some strategies and distractions to make sure the only thing that gets twisted at those weddings, Hamish, are the bridesmaids. Very well done. Thank you. We want to do this episode today not only to make sure Hamish doesn't falter at the first hurdle, but also so you newly sober people, the Give Up Club heroes, get a backup plan and some hot tips for times when normalised binge drinking culture tries to draw you back to the bottle. I feel like a sober dork, eagerly listening with my notebook and pen in hand. I want to know what will stop me, Vic, and is it possible for a party nerd like me to have fun at a big event without drinking the bar dry and starting a conga line? Well, we hope you can go away from this podcast today, you, Hamish, and the listeners, feeling relaxed about an upcoming event. You can actually look forward to going. A bloody miracle. Do you mean you actually look forward to not drinking now, Vic? Yep, I love big events because it gives me the opportunity to be myself, have authentic conversations. It's liberating. So let's find out how. Let's. Let's start by telling the listeners a little bit about some events we went to as drinkers. I'm going to kick this off with festivals because that's that's obviously the biggie, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it's the big one. Because that's why you go to festivals, really. It's not so much about the music. It never was for me. It was more about getting off my head and, you know, rolling around in some mud. It's probably the hardest thing to go to sober as well for a lot of different factors. I mean, you're cold, Mm -hmm. you're wet. Booze would probably help warm you up in that situation. You need to pass out because you're in an uncomfortable tent that's a good point yeah Yeah. you've paid for a ticket so it's got to be worth it music dancing everyone's off their tits you know you've got the mad joker guy who's running around with eyes like saucers trying to get you to buy some pills everywhere you look and everywhere you go at a festival it is going to be hard work I was the one in the Joker hat with the saucer eyes, <laughs> having smoked too much weed and holding a plastic cup of watery beer. I just remember any festival that I've ever been to has just been a total mess. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a good look for me. I did see some amazing bands, but I just can't remember most of it. Yeah. See, I really enjoy festivals, but I actually think 
my approach to them changed the older I got. You know, the first experience I ever had was going to Creamfields, which is a festival in Manchester. Oh, yeah. It's like a house party. It's like house and trance. It's aggressive music. Very aggressive crowd. I must have been like 16, 17. And I remember that we we left in the middle of the last night. We were meant to stay that last night. We left in the middle of the night because a crowd of lads were making their way from one end of the campsite to the other, lighting tents. Oh, my. God, yeah. So luckily, one of our mates was sober and yeah. we said, right, you're driving us home. And we drove from Manchester to London in the middle of the night. I mean, I'm amazed that you had a sober mate with you at that age. Know, like, who actually, is this guy? Yeah, it's my best mate. I actually don't know why I wasn't drinking. That's incredible. Good on him. Yeah, good on him. So yeah, thank God for that. But yeah, what changed for me with festivals is the older I got, the more I started working at them rather than just partying at them. Oh, good idea. So I used to go around with a mate of mine's dad who had a steam train and deliver people's luggage from the car park to the campgrounds. That was at a festival called Shambhala. I sold tea and crumpets at Lost Village. I performed at Glastonbury as a fake TV presenter. Um, (laughs) And I guess what that helped me do is actually really focus on what festivals are all about, which is the atmosphere, right? It's the only place where everyone is kind. Everyone is talking to each other. Everyone is sharing. And I think that is the same at any festival you ever go to. You don't really, it doesn't need to be Glastonbury. It can be any festival just to experience like a a happy vibe. I think that differentiates you and I right there Mm -hmm. because you went to a festival and you were soaking up the vibe and having a nice time. Whereas I can't really remember even walking into the door of a festival. But if you'd been working, would it have been different? I don't know. I don't think it would have been that much different I just think I was a festival for me was about consuming as much alcohol and drugs in my early days as I possibly could there was Mm. no thought about the bands or what campsite I was on as long as I made it somewhere sort of passed out somewhere to sleep that was enough I think I actually in the end sort of avoided them I knew it was pointless me spending the money on it Mm. I'd have rather gone to my local and got pissed and had a laugh with my mates than spend a hundred bucks on a ticket for a weekend away because I, I knew I wouldn't possibly survive it yeah well what what changed for me which i think is how i would approach a festival now sober is to really focus on enjoying the days rather than the nights yes just because there's loads of things going on during the days i used to go to these daily naked saunas okay so you yes. start the day you go Doesn't to the sauna surprise me, Hamish. Yeah. everyone's naked it's the start of your day and you'll go in there and everyone has one like you have great chats with people when you're naked yeah. so everyone shares actually weirdly i ended up bumping into a girl who had been, I'd been with her every day in this sauna and I saw her on London Bridge the week after and I felt yeah. quite awkward. <laughs> it was weird to have a conversation <laughs> yeah, with with clothes. Yeah, but you, you start the day naked in the sauna and then there was chai for everyone and you donate as much as you want at the end. And pretty much every festival I've been to has got that. Oh, that sounds so nice. So I always quite enjoyed that. Um, and there's loads of guided meditations and spoken word and just like, I quite enjoy just going on a walk alone and seeing who you meet and where you end up. So I think that would be any tip that I could give to anyone giving a crack of a sober festival is try yeah. and enjoy the days at night people are just getting messed up yeah. like, that is what happens yeah go to bed if you can sober or spend what you would spend on booze on a really good inflatable mattress yeah that's true that's yeah. a good idea one of my things that i decided when i got sober hamish was that i had to swap my messy nights for happy days and that's something mm. that i stand by i wrote an article with that title i'll share it on the show notes actually yes. it was a choice of mine that i had to choose the days because i knew the nights were shaky ground 
ground for me. I knew it was a scary sort of no man's land for me to put my foot out onto if I was newly sober because yeah. there were it was a minefield for me if I went into that situation and I didn't know at what point I was going to get blown up or someone was going to offer me a drink and I was going to accept it. So I chose early in my sobriety. I don't so much now, like I'm happy to go out in the night now, but in my early sobriety I chose to enjoy my days and ditch those messy yeah. nights because yeah. it was too scary, it's too precarious. Um, so the other big event we've got here is weddings. For me, weddings, Hamish, were, I think I generally used to dread going to anything mm. towards the end of my drinking days because I knew I was always going to be the drunkest person there. And I knew with a wedding that it was kind of the party the day before. Yep. So then I was drinking through the hangover the next day, <laughs> which was always meant I got more drunk than the night before because I would be pounding the drinks to get rid of my headache and that would lead me to be even drunker. So then I'd have the three-day hangover at a wedding. So I wouldn't enjoy any of it. Mm. And the last wedding I went to, I think the dad came out, the bride's dad, and told me to get off the dance floor and stop turning the music up. And I vaguely remember him saying, please turn the music down, and me staring him in the eye, in the eye and saying, I will never turn the music down. <laughs> that was the father uh, of the bride. That was the father oh, of the bride, no. yeah. I had a reputation for being fun at weddings, but of course I can never remember it. Um, I just was always sort of rolling around on the dance floor like a dead fly with people looking at me weirdly the next day. On At my brother's wedding, I was telling Hamish this earlier, I ran across the field completely naked at my brother's wedding and was told off by the priest, funnily enough. Yeah, which yeah. leads me on to my, honestly, my biggest regret in life happened at a wedding. Okay, so I was in a wedding, I was in Malta, and it was the drinks party the night before the wedding. Yeah, they're Bit. the worst. I know. But weirdly, I find when everyone's hung over the morning after a wedding is actually my favourite part of the wedding because everyone's in a weird, tired mood. You don't yeah. have to be hung over, but exhausted. Yeah. And the conversations I always find really funny. Yeah, a bit giggly. Uh, People yeah, go a bit silly. Yeah, I quite like that. Yeah. So yeah, this wedding. So it was, it was the party the night before. And big fancy garden parties, probably well, 150 people there, plus all the staff that were doing, handing out drinks and canapes and stuff. And I got caught in a promiscuous position with a lady hmm. in a bush in the garden party. And I got caught by all the waiters. And there, and I was wearing all white because I was dressed as Craig David for this party. So you know, I wasn't even hidden. And I then got caught by not only the father of the groom, but he was also the priest. God, so we've both been caught naked yeah. by priests. But honestly, actually, you talk about anxiety a lot. I've never experienced it except for this one. So I woke up the next morning and I got a text from the best man being like, the groom is livid. Oh, and no. I had to contact the groom and the bride on the morning of their wedding to and just be like, I am a piece of shit. That is, oh, that is, honestly, I, I still think about that often. The shame. I, what was I doing? I just you were just drunk. You're under the influence. Yeah. That's the thing. Like we say that all these things are terrible that we've done and how awful they were and the shame and regret. But actually, we're under the influence of a really strong drug when these things happen. Mm. So you can't have shame over them. It's not who you are. You would never have done that sober, Hamish. So forgive yourself. Don't worry about it. Uh, the other pressure of a wedding is that you're always sitting next to a stranger, aren't you? You've got this yeah. like, and it's a quite long the meal because the speech has gone forever. So you've got yeah. three hours next to a stranger. Like we said, the booze is free. Yeah, you, and you've already had champagne by the time you sit down so people go for it I actually am always the guy that gets sat next to the granny 
Yeah. People are looking like, oh God, doing a seating plan is always difficult. And I always get the grannies. I bet the grannies love you though, Hamish, don't the they? The grannies, yeah, yeah. I, I have a way with grannies, I if I can say do. that without sounding too creepy. You have a special way with grannies. <laughs> exactly. Other huge dates are things like the Millennium, the Eurovision, the Jubilee. Big build up those things, mm. you know, they're massive. Lots of planning and it makes you feel really, really stressful. And often with these big events, there's loads of expectation, which leads to massive disappointment when yeah. the night doesn't go as you expect it to and of course there's the money that you put into it as well so these huge dates come up obviously for me the millennium was my biggest one mm. when I blew my finger off with a firework I remember the lead up to that night I never have liked those big nights those big New Year's Eves because I always used to get so excited and then the, the night would sort of flatten it's out wouldn't it it's usually crap isn't it's it? usually I reckon crap. it took me 25 years to figure out how I like to do New Year's yeah. Eve which is basically me and like 10 mates at one person's house. Perfect. I don't want to be on a bridge at London. Out I don't want to be in the crowds. No. It's usually crap. But the excitement of it, the lead up of it, Hamish, made me drink more because mm. with any emotion that I had, I used alcohol to numb it out. So if I was excited because it was New Year's Eve, it meant I was going to be drinking faster, which led to me losing digits, basically. (laughs) Yeah. And I was the same with all big events. Eurovision, I always overdid it. I passed out in an ABBA outfit, I remember, one year by 9pm. I went to a mate's house dressed as the Queen. This was really embarrassing. And I got really drunk and my husband was dressed up as Prince Charles. No one else there was in fancy dress. And it was just me and my husband sat in the corner with a few sherries and we were so embarrassed that no one else was dressed up that we just sat there and got really, really drunk and we were just stumbling around this party dressed as the Queen. Yeah, but that image makes me oh. love you and your husband. I've got, I used to work with a girl. This is one of my favourite stories of all time. Yeah. She made the mistake of going to a party alone, right? You always need to turn up with someone, particularly if you go in fancy dress. So yeah. the theme was a dash of colour. Mm. So what the organisers meant is that guys in black tie wear like a colourful tie yeah. and girls wear colourful dresses rather than traditional. Yeah. She went dressed as a Crayola pen. Oh, so she had her face, kind of like your cock suit, her face yeah. sort of squished <laughs> in and then the nib of the pen was above her head <gasps> and she got there alone and then she looked around and said, oh, shit. What? And I, was, I will always love her because of that story. Oh, she was she embarrassed or was she all right? She was kind of crushed. But I think if I saw her at a party, I'd be like, that's the only person I'm speaking to tonight. You'd Same be, with you and Prince Charles and, and um, Diana. I'd only speak to you on that night. You'd be queen. drawn to her. Is that... Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. Sorry. sorry. Yeah, sorry. I should have given that more love. Yeah, that, that was that was didn't deserve any laughs at all. <laughs> but in Australia, I feel like the, the two biggest days of the year, particularly if you live in Sydney, are Mardi Gras, which yep. is effectively Gay Pride, which I had. My brother was visiting for that one. Okay, So he was only here for a weekend from Hong Kong before moving back to England. And we got into this hot tub on this roof party. And a girl came past with a guy and she was, can I leave my boyfriend here with you? I'm just going to get drinks. I'm like, mm. yeah, sure, whatever. Come on in. He sat in the middle of us and then he started feeling me up under under the oh, water. Yeah. And then I looked over my brother. My brother's looking at me weird. He was also feeling my brother up. So it was obviously, it, we were being conned. Like the girl was a plant and <laughs> he was not her boyfriend. And yeah, so it was the first time I've ever been felt up with my brother uh-huh. at Mardi Gras party. But yeah, Mardi <laughs> first Gras. First and last time. Hopefully the last time. <laughs> so yeah, Mardi Gras is obviously a big day's boozing in Sydney. Probably the yeah. biggest of the year. But, um, I'm just going to interrupt you with you're my... You're going to have a good story Well, about my Mardi, Mardi Gras. Gras story, I don't know whether you, I told it before on the Sober Awkward podcast was when I ended up in a pub in Paddington. We'd been on rambling around Sydney for hours and hours and hours. Mm. And it was kind of the last port of call. And there was a, 
a bronze Trojan horse in the centre of the club and I climbed on top and rode like I was riding it and I got thrown out of the club. I'm glad you said horse because, yeah, the the other one I was going to talk about was Anzac Day. Yes. Anzac Day, it's very weird how they celebrate it here. Anzac Day is we pay our respects to the soldiers that, you know, lost their lives in the wars, the Australian and New Zealand soldiers. Here, the way they celebrate it is you play a game called Two Up. So Two Up is banned the rest of the year in Australia. What it is, it's basically heads and tails. There are three coins on a paddle and you flick them up in the air and either you are touching your head with a note and someone that you are bet against who's also at the pub is touching their ass yep. and you're obviously heads, they are tails and if two of the three are heads, you win and vice versa. And it starts at like 10am and you just gamble and get pissed all day. It's an amazing day to be fair. But that day I ended up with a condom on my head talking to a tree as if it was a horse. It's going down, boy. Good boy. No, down, down, down. And Liz has got the whole thing on oh God, camera. Have you been spiked or something? Why no. did you have a condom on your I had head? A condom on my head. I don't know why. I don't. What, like know... it inflated it. I inflated it and put it on my head. Yeah. Oh gosh, yeah. that's a good party. I wasn't trick, even going out with Liz at that point, and I was yeah. I was thinking I need to woo guy. this girl. Condom on my head. Talk to a tree as if it's a horse. Oh, that is so odd. <laughs> oh dear. It's a bit embarrassing, isn't it, Hamish? Are we abnormal? Mm. <laughs> I was going to sit here questioning us. Our stories are quite out there. They are a bit out there. But I'm sure people listening are like, I've got better than that. People I are... hope so, because otherwise I'm just going to feel like a total weirdo. <laughs> I mean, work events is another one. That's another big event. Christmas parties. Places where we're supposed to act well, but act like total Fruit Loops, like for that. Court hearings, that's another one. Job interviews, always messy. I mean, I say job interviews only because I went to a job interview absolutely plastered when I was backpacking once. What was the job? I think it was working in a deli in Bondi, Mm -hmm. and the woman grabbed my shoulders and turned me around and pushed me out the door. (laughs) What? I was so pleased, though, because all my mates were getting pissed that day, and I was like, oh, I've got to go to a job interview. I really don't (laughs) want to go. Even my sister's work party, I remember once getting really drunk, and I told her employer that my sister was a bit thick. And my sister told me the next day, she said, you know you told my boss I was a bit thick. I was like, oh, no, I'm so sorry. So always any big event, I was wasted especially work events, because it was a free bar, of course. Another big piss-up is family gatherings. So Christmas lunches, baby showers, funerals, barbecues, birthdays. Your family's expectations, the stress that that brings, God, particularly yeah. if you bring like a new partner into oh, the frame. worse. And a lot of comparisons are made. You crack a joke and no one finds it funny. It's a stressful environment that most people choose to booze through. I think particularly yeah. Christmas, right? I mean, that's got to be the big one. Christmas is so huge. It's about boozing from start to finish. Yeah. And no wonder sober people often relapse around that time of year because you've got Christmas and you've got New Year and everybody you know is drinking. It is a really, really hard time. My birthday is on the 20th as well. So I've got 20th oh, birthday, God, 25th yeah. Christmas, 31st New Year's Eve. It's like a mega 11-day drinkathon. Wow. It's gonna be, actually, we'll do a podcast about that yeah, because, when that time of year comes. Yes, it'll be coming around pretty yeah. soon, Hamish, before you know it. But you've got a birthday story you want to well, share? Well, all my birthdays <laughs> were pretty messy. I was trying to pick a few out when I was thinking of this, like which were my messiest ones. I remember on my 18th, my dad driving me back from a club and me puking into my lap and him saying that he was proud. 
We're going to go. like I'd broken, you know, into the family tradition at last. We're going to go one for one on birthdays. Here, okay, okay, go on. So my 18th birthday, I ended up snogging a 52-year-old in Harrogate. Mm. And exactly preceding the snog, she was telling me a story about how she was looking forward to spending this Christmas with her three kids who were 24, 22 and 21. And they were older than you. Yeah. Oh, God. She got three kids older than me. Then she lent in. And I was like, oh. I have to kiss her. My te- Talk about peer pressure. I had three mates who were watching me from the table next door. I was like, it's my 18th birthday. She's lent in. I Good have to snog. kiss her. Good snog, was I it? I can't actually remember. Oh, that's can't. a shame. No, we're not in touch anymore. I think uh, of her quite, a lot, quite yeah. often. <laughs> just, you were just thinking about her today, <laughs> weren't you? I ended up at a house party with on my 21st yep. with my coat on fire. I'd wow. put a cigarette in my top pocket and then zipped up my coat. And <sighs> I opened up my jacket and there was smoke billowing out and I was like what's going on there's a fire there's a fire and it was just me that was on fire and I had to whip my coat off and throw it on the floor and stamp it out you put a lit cigarette in your pocket and then zipped it up yeah why I don't know (laughs) my 21st I went to the darts which is maybe the most intense drinking event in the world I actually remember for it aren't they the well, the I remember there was a, there's a quiz in England called Question of Sport and they had a question there which was a football match, a cricket match and the darts. Yeah. And it, then it was four pints, eight pints, 12 pints. You know, what is the average amount of pints drunk at each of these sporting events? Whoa. And the darts is 12 pints. And the darts is only three hours long. So you, they, they do like they do it in two sessions, yes. either the early or the late. So it's three hours, average 12 pints. God, that is a lot of booze. Insane amount of booze. Wait, did you survive? I survived. Mate, mine was dressed as a teddy bear. The hat alone was probably two foot wide, yeah, and it wasn't dressed up. I think the dress was dressed as Chavs, and he came as a teddy bear. Um, and yeah, it was it was pretty intense. I don't remember where we ended up. I think we ended up in a casino. <laughs> Have you ever been anywhere not in a strange outfit? Well, I was only dressed as a chav. I looked all right, but <laughs> yeah, it's it's the easiest way to make people smile outfits That's it is it's true it's a very easy way yeah on my 32nd's birthday I had to be put in a taxi after karaoke and had to pay a cleaning bill for the taxi on the way home which was really embarrassing because I was 32 and yeah thinking about marrying the man that I was with <laughs> I will be sober on my 32nd. That is this Christmas. Oh, God, that's exciting. Yeah, I'm going to be camping in WA. I mean, there's loads of stories that we could go into about Christmas and all of these times. And we've got endless stories, and I bet you guys have as well. But like most things in my life, I approach big events with a bag full of booze and an attitude of just, let's get wasted. Now, even though the word birthday or festival conjures up the image of me stumbling around an empty dance floor with tainted love playing in the background, when I think about these occasions, I feel a bit pissed off with myself, actually. I totally missed out on these events throughout my life because I was too busy thinking about where my next top up was coming from. Yeah, I think I've missed out on the point of these events, too. A baby shower is about a baby. It's about the celebration of a new life. It's not about who's going to get the next bottle of wine from the offie. I guess we've both been so entrenched in a culture where using alcohol for any big social function that we've forgotten why we are there in the first place. So true. And now because of whatever reason you have, be it addiction, mental health, physical health, or just because you're bored with boozing, if you are choosing sobriety, you have to approach these big events from a new angle and it can feel very topsy-turvy. So let's gather our artillery. Our weapons of mass dysfunction, very well written, Vic. Thank you. The tools that will fend off the cravings, cancel out the missing out, and allow you to enjoy yourself without a blackout. Let's learn how we can do the big event without drinking alcohol. 
Let's start by asking the reasons why you might be nervous. Why does going to a big event sober feel so massive? Hamish, what are you worried about? It was literally the first thing I thought about. When you asked me to do this podcast, you said, Hey, do you want to do the podcast? Obviously, you need to go sober. And my first thought was, shit, three weddings, two garden parties in the UK trip. I guess why I was worried was... I hadn't seen family in three and a half years. I was going to be the guy at those weddings who flew back for, from Australia for the wedding. Yeah. So I guess I felt a level of pressure already that I need to be fun. Even yes. though I'm going to be jet lagged as hell for yeah. the first one because yeah. I land two days before it. Right. So I guess it was, I need to be fun. I've not seen my friends in years, literally years. And now I don't have the crutch of alcohol to rely on to sort of help boost me. Yeah. So the worry was, was can I still be fun? Can I still dance like a lunatic? We've spoken about that on a previous podcast. Um, I've always felt fairly confident that my conversations won't get awkward sober. That is an yeah, element. you're a good conversationalist. I'm okay with conversations, yeah, yeah. although I guess they might be dull. So yeah, yeah. I can still bring it, but my yeah. mate's conversations will get duller. Um, so I guess it was that pressure, which is which is all exterior in my head. You yes. know, that doesn't yeah. really exist, that pressure. But it was definitely my biggest worry going sober was these events. It just shows you that even though you're not like a real extreme problem drinker or a real party girl like I was, you're a very normal drinker. So even though you're a normal drinker, a social drinker like most of the planet, mm. you still have concerns about going to events sober. Yeah. So it just proves how big the problem is in our society, doesn't it? For me, going to events like that took time, Hamish. I started off very, very slowly. I just did the days for a while, as we talked about earlier. But then when I started to do the nights, it felt like every time I went out that there was this bright light shining on me and I was overexposed and mm. raw and felt really sort of vulnerable at those sort of events. But over time, that bright light dimmed and I was able to converse with people and understand that there was no pressure on me and it was up to me to enjoy myself. And again, like drinking, I took responsibility for having a good time at a big event, which is a great thing to do. Um, and a lot of it took planning, actually, Hamish. So this, you said there are three things that we really need to prepare ourselves going into these events, right? Yeah. Planning the first one. Yeah. Okay. The one thing you should do is probably don't say yes without being sure you're ready to go into a big event. Which is easier said than done, I guess. If it is your brother's wedding, very difficult to say no. But any other one, like a big night out or a festival, yeah. you're allowed to say no. Yeah, you're allowed to say no. That is a big one. You might want to find out what your favourite alcohol-free options are. You know, not, it's not, they're not for everyone, but it can be helpful to sort of blend into a crowd if it looks like you're drinking a beer or look like you're drinking a cocktail, even if you're not. We're very big on you having an out in any of these situations. So make sure you have an escape plan before you go. A taxi rank, find out where that is. Where's the bus going from? Where's your car parked? You can have an excuse, a lie if you want to. A disappearing act is OK. Don't feel guilty about it. I did see an Instagram quote recently about, what do we, we call that ghosting? No, no. Ghosting, what, No, what yeah. is it when you do a... Uh, exit without telling any telling any, anyone. I don't know. A, back, a backdooring. Okay. So there's so people that backdoor, which you know, disappear without saying goodbye. Yeah. Basically, save like ten days of their life over the course of their life oh, by wow. not hanging around a party when they don't want to be there. Okay, that's good. Quite good <laughs> that's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, you could take cash. We talk about taking cash quite a lot because it does save you those awkward conversations with regarding to splitting bills that can be difficult. And you've got to remember to be proud. Like, don't lie about your why if you don't have to. If you feel confident enough to tell people you're not drinking, then do it. I actually say things like, alcohol makes me feel mentally unwell. We've got a few more of those to come later. Take a sober mate if you can. That Strength is such good advice. Numbers. Yeah. 
I mean, last night I took Hamish with me and it was great. We had a good time. Oh, I would have felt weird last night, Hamish, if you'd been drinking. I wouldn't have enjoyed myself so much because I would have felt like we were not on the same level yeah. anymore. So having someone there that's on the same level as you is really, really helpful. I can't emphasise how much I enjoyed last night. It was yeah. so good. Um, the second big point is practice. So what about the actual event? How can sober people still enjoy an event when everyone around them is as drunk as a skunk? Remind yourself why you're not drinking. Remember your why and really drum that into yourself. You're doing this for a reason. It's because alcohol isn't working for you anymore. So stick with it. One of the ways to remind yourself is just look around the room. Look at the, look at the biggest dick in the room yeah. and, and remind yourself that you're not them anymore. Stand tall, be proud. What Exactly what Hamish is saying there. And, and don't look at dicks in the room. <laughs> <laughs> don't put pressure on yourself to be the bringer of the goods. I was just talking about that, this pressure that I need to be the fun one. Yes. You don't need to bring all the laughs and the initiator, all the dancing. You can step back and let someone else do it. That can be hard for extroverts like you and I yeah. to let somebody else take over the laughs and the dancing and, and, and allow someone else to get the glory. Yeah. Okay, that, I've just, that's made me think. I'm going to set that as a challenge for myself. Yeah. I am going to be the first person on the dance floor at each of the three weddings. I'm okay, to. excellent. And yep. you'll be posting pictures of that, I hope. Yes. Yeah, so don't give in to the expectations of others. They don't know your story. Play the tape forward. We always go on about that. What would really happen if you just had one? Would you stop? Probably not. Yeah, it would definitely be two or three and I'll be whacking Sambuca shots at the bar. Trust yourself. Something I lost in my drinking days. Have your own back. Remember, it's up to you if you allow the influences of others to lead you off track. Trusting yourself means you go in there with confidence. Knowing you won't drink is the only way to enjoy yourself. I mean, if you go into these things thinking, oh, maybe I can, maybe I'll feel like one, maybe it'll be okay. You're just thinking about alcohol the whole night. But if you go into it and go, I'm never going to drink at this, this is just going to be a totally alcohol-free event. It sort of allows you mm. to enjoy yourself. And that's exactly what we're talking about with practice. Once you get that first one under your belt, then yeah. you have that confidence and that trust in yourself to do it again. Totally. If you're going to spend the whole night wishing you could have a quick dram and be drunk like everyone else, then don't go. You need to be at the right place in your sobriety to face these events. If you're not ready, that's cool. Just give it a miss and go to the next one. So true. I think we should talk a bit here as well, Hamish, about the benefits of positive thinking. I think one problem is we're so used to being drunk that going to an event sober seems odd. I know I used to get myself into a negative frame of mind before attending events sober because I convinced myself I'd be nervous and that I would hate it. But the more I did it, the more I enjoyed it. And my brain eventually did a backflip. I stopped thinking drinking was fun and realised what a huge waste of time and money it was. This is exactly how I felt last night. So I made an effort to like get dressed before going out. I had music playing as if it was a night out. I was blaring music in the car journey to pick you up. All things that would have done on a big piss up night out, which meant that I was buzzing by the time we actually got to the venue. So I think that that sort of plays into positive thinking. Almost treat it like it is a big boozy night just without the alcohol. Exactly. You can still look forward to these things and you can still have fun. You can treat it in exactly the same way and you can look forward to it in the end. You've written here a few mantras that I could tell myself over the course of the night to keep myself positive. Oh, yes. We've got non-drinkers are cool. I'm a sober punk. Doing the robot holding a can of Fanta is okay. If I repeat them over and over then I might begin to believe them. Doing the robot sober is cool, Hamish. It just takes a few months of being sober to realise it. This booze-infused socialising doesn't reward us with anything apart from a headache and a bout of genital warts. (laughs) Sober socialising gives so much more. 
So tell me what it feels like afterwards, Vic. I want to imagine that I've just done that first wedding and I've woken up the next morning. How does it feel? It feels amazing, mm-hmm. honestly. I mean, I never imagined in a billion years that a drinker, a party girl like me, could ever go to a big event sober. But now I do it all the time and it is it is the best thing about being sober. I feel really strong and mm-hmm. I feel like a warrior when I go to these things because I'm going against the grain and I'm doing it in style when I go. I will dance, I will chat and I'll probably leave a bit early. Is there a smugness the There's next morning when everyone's hung over and you're buzzing? It is extremely a self-righteous <laughs> thing to do. And it does feel good. There's nothing wrong with feeling good about doing something right. And I think being able to go out and socialise sober is a huge achievement, especially if you've been a drinker in the past. Yeah. And there is a sense of pride and you do feel like you deserve a big pat on the back afterwards. And, you know, I don't have phone calls from mates now saying you've done this or you've done mm. that the next day. There's no itches where, you know, from the night before or or bruises or... I always used to wake up with a with a cut on my chin from doing a swan dive every Friday night at the yeah. big boutique in Brighton. Getting the worm wrong. Getting the worm wrong. Yeah. Always got the worm wrong. <laughs> and it's just those hangover-free Sundays knowing everyone else is dying in bed and I'm like running down the beach and playing with my kids. I do feel very smug and it's bloody brilliant. Mm-hmm. And I get to spend the day with my family. It's wonderful. The message on our podcast is always to feel the awkward and do it anyway. And this big event is a perfect example of that. You've got to put yourself out there and get on with it. How do you think it will feel being at a wedding, being so raw and so naked? No, I don't, hope I don't get naked at this wedding. That's, that's oh, yeah. the point. <laughs> You've done that. Few, yeah. We've both done that a few many times if I'm before. getting naked at a wedding sober, I've got bigger problems. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you think you can look forward to it now? Do you think, you know, once you've got a few events under your belt, you'll have some better social skills? Yeah, I think the the big point from this podcast that will be my takeaway is that practice it and then you build on the confidence. So I think actually last night was quite a big one for me, just getting yeah. that first pub experience surrounded by drinkers out of the way yeah. has given me a lot of confidence. I, I now feel like I can do it. You know, I'm I'm sure that a wedding is just a bigger version of what we did last night. Yeah, it sure is. So if you, like me, are new to the sobriety thing, then I reckon it's all about those three P's we've just mentioned. Planning, practice and positive thinking. Oh, and having a newborn to look after the next day, helpful as well, right? Yes. Yeah, so there's nothing worse. I mean, Going out and getting hammered and then having a hangover and looking after a baby is the worst thing ever. I've done it. I know how awful it is. The screams are bad enough when I'm sober. I don't want to deal with them. I've got a headache. Oh, the worst. So if you're going to a big event in the coming weeks, don't be scared. Start looking forward to it and imagine all the positives that it's going to bring. You won't have to make any apologies for embarrassing your Auntie Pauline. Your dignity will stay intact. You'll get to be your true self. And the most wonderful thing, Hamish, is that you start to see that the people that matter still love you. And the ones that don't, well, they're probably just passed out under a table, so you don't have to worry about them. (laughs) It seems, Vic, that one thing sobriety gives us is clarity. Instead of drinking, I hope to feel the love in the room at the wedding and absorb the people around me rather than heading to the bar. I want to remember the occasion as a wedding and not just a place to get wasted. That is such good advice. And I really hope you do. We can't wait to see how you get on at these weddings, Hamish, because it is a big thing and it is out of the comfort zone. But I think afterwards you'll find that you will just look forward to the next event even more. It's going to be amazing. I've got another wedding the next weekend. I'm going back to back. I'd like to talk to you in that week in between to see how you've changed and how your confidence level has changed Mm. because that one event is going to take you to another level of your sobriety, I think. Let's face it. One of the main reasons our sober folks struggle at big events is because of peer pressure. With that in mind, we're going to do a whole episode on it next week. 
Yeah. For anyone who's recently been to a big event, a wedding or a festival, please post about it on your www.cuppa.community because those sobriety-affirming events are really what boost us to see people getting out there and living their lives in a normal way without drinking is what really inspires other people. So let us know about them. Or you can send us an email. What's our email address? Oh, yeah, it is. We forget this every week. <laughs> I passed Vic, the buck there. <laughs> yeah, well done. Vic and Hamish at SoberAwkward.com. What are we going to end on, Hamish? Well, we were going to do a quote, but we didn't find any good yeah. quotes. We're a bit shit with the quotes. Yeah. If anyone's got any good quotes, email them <laughs> to us, because we are rubbish at finding them. Should we go and get some chocolate then? Yeah, chocolate will do it. Are we allowed chocolate? Yeah. Okay, yes, that's not a That's, that's not a big an addiction event. that we need to conquer in a different podcast. <laughs> okay, yeah, excellent. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. If you're questioning your relationship with booze, you're struggling to moderate, or your hangovers are causing anxiety, it might be time to reach out for some support. Yeah, just talk to a mate about how you're feeling, contact a local doctor, find an AA or sobriety group. Vic's got one. Yeah, just head to www.cuppa.community. Remember, if you're questioning yourself, it might be time to seek support. Even though this journey can be awkward, it is definitely worth it. And if you've enjoyed the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to review it, rate it and share it with your mates. Do they have to share it with their mates? Yeah, of course they do. I'm not doing this for nothing, Hamish. Bloody hell. Have to share it.